Welcome to the Wow Community Jokes. I was recently reading a Neil Pashricha book called You Are Awesome, and in it he tells an old fable about a farmer with one horse. And here's how it kind of goes. A farmer only had one horse, and one day his horse ran away. So his neighbor said, oh, I'm so sorry. This is such bad news. You must be so upset. The man just said, we'll see. A few days later, a horse came back with 20 wild horses following it. The man and his son corralled all 21 horses and the neighbors came running. Congratulations, this is such good news. You must be so happy. The farmer said, we'll see. Just then, one of the wild horses kicked the man's only son, breaking both of his legs. His neighbor said, oh, I'm so sorry. This is such bad news. You must be so upset. The farmer said, we'll see. Then the country went to war. Every able-bodied young man was drafted to fight. The war was terrible, killed every young man, but the farmer's son was spared since his legs had been broken and prevented him from being drafted. His neighbor said, congratulations, this is such good news. You must be so happy. The manager said, we'll see. What's up with this crazy farmer, right? Well, you see, the farmer knows that every end is merely just another beginning. We'll see. And the same is true for us. As we're talking about doing the next right thing, all of the decisions we're making are not ends. They're simply moving us toward new beginnings. They're moving us toward the next right thing. My hope and prayer for this series has been that it will help you create this practice of doing the next right thing, this simple soulful practice of simply doing the next right thing so that you won't be overwhelmed, so that you won't be paralyzed by the decisions and all of the changes that we're currently facing, but that you'll be able to breathe deeply and develop a resiliency and an excitement to keep moving forward into new beginnings, into new opportunities, and into new life. You see, you get to decide. Do you see what I said there? You get to decide. It's not that you have to decide. You get to decide. There's freedom. There's this other parable that's been around for thousands of years. It's probably more familiar to you, and it's a story that Jesus told about a man who had two sons. So the story begins with the younger son asking for his share of the inheritance, which in first century Jewish culture was a deeply offensive request. It's the equivalent to saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Okay, odd way to start a story, right? But what's even more unusual is that the father grants his request. He divides the property between the two sons. And according to the Old Testament law, the younger probably would have had about a third of the share. But this would have been deeply shameful for the family. Not only is the dad dividing the, this inheritance, but this son would have also had to sell off his portion of the property to someone else in the community. This wasn't just a family affair. This was now a public affair. So let's continue. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. 
After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Crazy, right? Like when this young son arrives home, he isn't shunned, he isn't punished, he isn't even treated as a servant. In fact, he couldn't even finish his I'm so sorry speech that he was working up and rehearsing in his head. And what's interesting is that for this type of occasion, a lamb would have been sacrificed for the meal. That would have been more than enough to feed the family. But the father in this story calls for the calf to be prepared, which would be enough food for the whole village. There's a communal aspect to this. So the party starts, everybody's celebrating, and the story continues. The older brother comes in from the field and he's mad. He wants to know why his brother gets a party and he doesn't. So the story ends with the father telling the older son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. The father wants the older son to know that everything he wants, he has always had. There's nothing he could ever do to earn it. You see, the older son's problem isn't that he doesn't have anything, it's that he's had it all along, but he's refused to trust that it was really true. In other words, we can't earn what we've always had. What we can do is trust that what God keeps insisting is true about us is actually true. You get to decide. You get to decide your next right thing. You have the freedom to make choices. And what's more is that you're extended the same grace if you choose or have chosen poorly and you need to return. You get to decide. So if we get to choose our next right thing, then let's talk about how we can choose well. Again, coming from Neil Pashricha, there's this 500 year old invention that we can use today. And in grammatical terms, it's called an ellipsis. It's the dot, dot, dot that marks an unfinished sentence. So the first thing that we can do to help us keep going and make the next right decision is to add a dot, dot, dot to your story. You see, here in Luke, the story ends with the father's words about everything he has belongs to his son and how they have to celebrate because his other son was dead 
and is alive again. That's it. That's how it ends. The father's words just hanging in the air. We never learn what the older brother decides to do. Jesus leaves the story unresolved. Jesus doesn't give the proper Hollywood ending that we've all come to expect. You can almost picture or imagine or at least feel one more scene, can't you? But the story is unfinished. We naturally want to know what happened. How will the younger brother behave from now on? What arrangements will they make? Will the two sons be reconciled? But sometimes when a storyteller leaves us on the edge of our seats like this, it's because we're supposed to think it through. We're supposed to ask ourselves, where do we fit in the story? We're supposed to learn more about ourselves. And what I love about this story is that it doesn't end. It simply adds a dot, dot, dot. Because the story isn't over. The story ends by leaving open a new beginning. And by adding a dot, dot, dot to our stories, it allows us to step into new beginnings. It allows us to keep our options open. It keeps our options infinite, really. The story isn't over. Your story isn't over. So to help you add a dot, dot, dot to your story and then your next step moving forward to do the next right thing, I believe it's important to add a yet. Oftentimes, Amanda is the person who gets to hear all of my insecurities. She gets to hear my worries and anxieties. Lucky her, right? Uh, she doesn't always think so. But oftentimes, I'll share with her everything that's overwhelming me and paralyzing me and making me fearful of even making a decision or doing the next right thing. And I'll say, I don't know what to do. But do you see the problem with that? I ended that statement with a period. There's no dot, dot, dot. You see, most of the time we put periods at the end of our statements. I don't know what to do. Or I'm not creative. Or I don't have the skills for this. Or I don't have the resources for that. But where's the hope? Where's the possibility in that? We've just ended our sentences. But look what happens when you add a yet to whatever it is you're saying. I don't know what to do yet. I'm not creative yet. I don't have the skills for this yet. Or I don't have the resources for that yet. Do you see what happens there? Do you see the possibilities that it opens up and the potential that it brings? I don't know what to do yet. It keeps pushing you forward, moving you forward into this new world of infinite possibilities. So let's go back to our story in Luke 15 and see how adding a yet adds a dot, dot, dot and makes room for possibility. So you have the younger sibling. He's made some pretty bad decisions up to this point and is now jealous of the food that the pigs are eating. Okay, this guy is hurting. But rather than putting a period on the end of his story, he remembers his father. He chooses to say, I have nothing to eat yet. Now his plan is to go back and beg to be a servant to his father, but he chooses to keep going. He chooses possibility. 
Meanwhile, the father's been standing on the porch, straining his eyes day after day, looking into the distance, waiting for his son to come home. And what I love about this is that he hasn't accepted defeat. He simply knew that his son hasn't returned home yet. My son hasn't been found yet. My son hasn't come alive again yet. And then Jesus ends the story with the older brother who hasn't entered the party yet. But you see, we don't know how the story ends. Jesus leaves us with the dot, dot, dot. Jesus leaves us with possibility. And he also leaves us with the choice. I believe Jesus, he, he, he's inviting us to step into this story, into that moment, and to think about how we will respond. Whoever's shoes in this story that you fit best, step into them for a moment. See if your story has a dot, 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 or if you've closed your story. You see, if you've closed your story, I invite you to change it. Write a new story, add that dot, dot, dot. You see, it's actually in and through Jesus that we get a new story. It's in and through Jesus that he makes the dot, dot, dot possible. It's through Jesus' death and resurrection that he offers us the dot, dot, dot of eternal life, which is life to the fullest, both here and now and for eternity. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection makes everything possible. That's why we keep preaching this message again and again and again, because it's the dot, dot, dot to life. And we get to step into that. We're invited to participate in this party, in this celebration, in this kingdom that's happening here and now and forevermore. We get to be part of resurrection living. And we get to live into this new kingdom with Jesus as the true king of the world. With the guy who overcame death as king of the world. And if you haven't picked up my final step by now, how we can make wise decisions, it's by using a get. You see, it's this simple thing that I did back in August when I took a break from social media. I was just being overwhelmed by everything else swirling around me and it being thrown at me and shoved in my face. And I decided each morning when I woke up, rather than looking through all the things that I have to work on and the, the goals I have to get done and the things that I have to do, I made it a point to write down three things that I get to do. In fact, I even wrote it on an index card and I put it here above my desk. And every day I simply sit down and I write out three things that I get to do. You see, as most of you know, I, I work from home. We're a church plant. I don't have office space. And now my kids are being homeschooled. So we all are at home. But rather than being like, oh, I have to get through my day. One of the things I've written down several days is I get to spend more time with my kids. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I used to always say, oh man, I have to get my message done for this week. Saturday's coming. But now I say, I get to take time to study and to think and to creatively communicate the gospel, the good news and the love of Jesus every week. Like it changes the whole trajectory of my day. Do you see how powerful this is? 
that by simply replacing have to with get to, how much possibility it opens up in our lives? Jesus tells us a story how a young brother who nearly ruined his life gets to come back home. Or about how a father is so filled with love that he forgives his son of everything and instead gets to welcome him home and celebrate with his community that his boy is back. And about a brother who's so angry and bitter and envious that he's been missing out on what has been his the entire time. But you see, the older brother's given the choice. He gets to decide what he's going to do. He gets to decide his next right thing. And so do we. You see, the story is not over yet. There will be times when I'm sure we will all experience being in the shoes of each person in this story. But the story is not over yet. Whether you are the parent sitting on a porch, straining your eyes, looking into the distance, waiting for your child to come home, the story is not over yet. Or maybe you're the prodigal. You're the child who's tried to go on your own, make it on your own, do your own thing, and you've hit rock bottom. Your story isn't over yet. There's a party waiting to be had. Or maybe you're like the older brother who's had everything all along right at your fingertips, but you refuse to trust that it was really true. There's a dot, dot, dot. There's an invitation to accept. You see, as Paul writes to the Romans, he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we are able to do anything about our condition, while we are helpless, while we are unaware of just how bad the situation really was, Jesus died. Jesus went to the cross to add the dot, dot, dot. For everybody everywhere, for every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group. The reality is that God, Jesus, is the forgiving Father. And this forgiveness and this reconciliation is available to everyone. You simply need to accept it. You need to step into it. How we choose to live is our choice. We can live with God or we can live apart from God. But it's with God that we're able to add the dot, dot, dot to our life, to our stories, that we're able to step into a new world of forgiveness and reconciliation and possibility. This Thanksgiving weekend, as you discern your next right thing, Add a dot, dot, dot to your story. It's not over. Return home. Have a party. Choose to accept and celebrate the love and forgiveness that Christ offers and extends to you, to everybody, everywhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. God, as we celebrate Thanksgiving this weekend, I can't think of anything better than the gift of your son who lived, died, and rose again, showing us 
that he is indeed your son. And God, I pray that wherever we are, wherever we place ourselves in this story, that you show us the possibility that awaits us, the possibility that you make possible. God, you invite us into a relationship with you. And I pray that each of us accept that and hang on to that and lean into that. I pray that we put you in your proper place as the true king of this world. And that God, as we do that, and as we seek reconciliation, that parties will be had, that celebrations will be thrown, that forgiveness will be extended. And that, God, you will continue to renew and restore and reconcile all things everywhere. Thank you for this church community. Thank you for our families and for our friends. And I pray that this weekend will be marked by your love. And for anyone who doesn't have a personal relationship with you right now, that this weekend will be marked as the day that they chose to return home and that they chose to ask forgiveness and enter into a relationship with you, Jesus. God, oh, I pray that you do a mighty work in Binbrook. Start with us. Fill us with your spirit. Work in our hearts. And I pray that you will just have that overflow and spill out of us and onto our community as you transform the hearts and lives of those around us. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.